city. It is this sprawling massive place miles and miles across. Been here as long as anyone can remember. Nobles play their power games. Guilds maneuver for money and influence. Dark things emerge from the shadows to hunt. And the lamplighters take everything in while keeping the darkness at bay. The thing I always wonder is why. Why do these lamplighters keep the darkness back? What investment do they have in Avalon? Streets of Avalon, an urban RPG setting by Brett Blazinski for the world's most popular role-playing game. Ask for it at your friendly local game store or head over to GamingNBS.com forward slash streets. Gaming NBS episode 342 being recorded Monday, May 17th, 2021. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's around. Sean, how the hell are you? Whoa, spin the mic around. How the hell are you, man? I'm all right, Brett. How are you? Not bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Getting huh? game, get gaming in since we talked last? Yeah, I have cool. gamed. We gamed. Did, we gamed. Oh, we did. We, we did, did game. Did little Blades in the Dark, apart from that. I was thinking, we're talking about that separately, but what else did you do? Anything? Uh ran Star Wars on Saturday, ran uh Forbidden Lands last Tuesday because nice. because of our Blades in the Dark game. Yep. Uh they are they've come across that spire and they started going in. And they're investigating. Very good. They are. They think uh treasure lies within. Very nice. Something it going probably on. does. Some some inner interplanar stuff's going on. They 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 nah, suspect. It's, all tre- it's just treasure. It's fine. It's fine, kids. You know, they good. go you inside. In It'll be fine. They go inside and they go to the top, and the top kind of looks out, but it's there's a door in the side of the tower that goes into. But if it were to open the door, it would just go out into the open, but it doesn't. Well, okay. Yeah, so they're uh, nice. Yeah, plot thickens. We'll see. I got some, let's see here, AJ ran his uh, 5e Midgard game for Lana and I. That was a lot of fun. We uh, went out and collected some, we're trying to get a bunch of money because we're, we want to buy like an inn or something in this little village that we've been helping. We're like, oh, this could be a cool place to like retire to. So we got, Lana and I have got plans. And uh, we've been, we sold some Paraton eggs to an alchemist and he's got a laundry list of different critter bits he wants We're like sounds good to me <laughs> what do you need i'll bear beak okay let's go figure that out so we were doing that for a little bit we'll see what happens from there and then of course we had blades in the dark on thursday so that worked out pretty well we did and yeah it went well my star wars game eh. kind of meh meh we'll see we we started later than we usually do, and then we mm-hmm. ended around kind of the same time. Um, they are they are off the planet. They were taken prisoner, but they've the Imperials found them. Right. St- started overtaking the base, and then they they got off in time. Like, hey, we're out of here. So they left, and they have a couple people with them. And that was it. So then I said, hey, do we want to set up our next date? Like, do we have time or is everybody going to take off or whatever? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we got to take off. 
So I'm like, okay, sounds good. So we'll see. No new date set. No new date set yet. So we will, we shall see. So that was, uh, to go back to Blades on Dark, that was the first time since you and I played at the game hole ages ago that you and I have been players at the same table. That's right. And uh, I never had the pleasure of playing with Frank House before, so that was kind of fun too. And um, Craig Shipman did a, a, did a really, really good job. He did a top-notch <laughs> job, Craig, did, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And neither you or I had played Blades in the Dark before, kind mm-hmm. of, sort of, we understood concepts and stuff, but I thought from a player's perspective, the other thing I really appreciated, and I said it uh, to Frank House after, I don't know if we caught that on that recording, but he did a really good job of kind of chumming, because he knows the environment, he knows he runs it, it's one of his favorite games, and he kind of just chummed for Sean and I. Where it's like, hey, here's an idea. Here's some stuff. And he did it in in character way. It felt, it was really organic. But you could tell he was doing this to kind of get everybody involved and doing and using the system and stuff. So it was, he did a really good job there. And uh, the plot was fun, weird, mysterious, craziness. Um, But yeah, it was kind of, it was fun. I did my thing I like to do when I'm learning a new system is I'm like, I'll play a fighter, play the cutter. You know, somebody who's pretty simple figure it out i think if i were to play again i'd want to play a more complicated character something different than a fighter try you know it's just a different just a different type i think it could be fun what'd you think did you have a good time i did have a good time yeah it was enjoyable (laughs) i i uh i'm signed up for kevin keneally's scum and villainy he's running he's got like three blades in the dark uh based games on the gaming roster and I'm on Scum and Villainy. So I would need, I'd like to see, kind of get more exposure to it a little bit. It's a, a unique system. Um, yeah. I think it needs, I think it needs campaign play. And by that, I yeah. mean, to really, uh, to get, yeah, to get the clocks really cooking and to see what stress does and get into the rest of the <clears throat> bits and pieces. We talked about it, but I'm like, oh yeah, I could see where that would be cool. But to experience it, you got to have two, three, four sessions before yep. all the all the bits and pieces come into play. So it was fun. Glad we did it. That was a good time. And I don't hate John Harper quite as bad. Well that's good. If anything so came out of it. Exactly. My rage my rage is now just a normal, you know, but let's a, 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 a slow a low boil. A low boil. It seems low. as though that might be a um a closing of some kind, right? Like Yes, yes. A bad relationship, you know. Yes. I've got, uh, I do have, have closure. Yes. yes closure, closure answers. Right. Yes. Yes. That's great. That's good. That's that was good. That's good. I figured, well, just growing, changing a little bit as a person. There oh, we go. fantastic. <laughs> All right. Before we get any more of that crap, let's go on to a random encounter. But anyway, one more time, thank you again to Craig Shipman for running for us at Third Floor Wars and for Mr. Frank House for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Yes. Fun, fun. Random encounter. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery we want to bring to you. First one, Harrigan comments on Simbarum. Doug the Simbarum episode, Sean and Brett, and I'm glad Brett shares some of the uh, opinions I voiced about the game all those months ago when he first was poking at it. From the incredibly evocative art, it's what grabbed me first as well, to the dark, very moody and very focused setting, I hold the game in pretty high esteem. One thing to emphasize, if it wasn't clear in the episode, is that the characters can come from all walks of life, not just from the recently arrived Ambrians, who are the group that comes over the mountains. Correct. 
who have come to the area after winning a war with dark forces that cost them their homeland. The players could all be members of the decimated barbarian tribe that the Ambrians displaced, or one of the various tribes that are now adjusting to the new status quo and the continued expansion of the militant and battle-hardened Ambrians. There are religious dissenters within the Ambrians' ranks. There are independent communities who have thrown off the yoke of the queen. There are royal relatives with axes to grind. There are refugees from the terrible war years ago who are still arriving and who are being shunted into the Devakar, uh, the Dark Forest, because all the good land is already gone. There are multiple factions within the Ambrian nation. Frankly, there are juicy campaign and story hooks on virtually every page. I think everyone who enjoys dark, gritty, grounded, and mysterious fantasy would dig the game, whether they play the original or the forthcoming 5e version. Hoping you guys both run this at some point. Thank you, Harrigan, for calling those pieces out. I think that's that's important. I only had... I, <laughs> I went long anyway talking about it and um, had... This is the uh, had Harrigan been in the discussion at the bar while we were having this at the con, right? He'd been, oh yeah, don't forget, which is exactly how I took this, which is awesome. But yeah, there's there's enough bits and pieces to that. How do I do this? If you grab onto some of it, like ooh, these um, refugees, oh, or how about these factions, or how about this, how about that, you could ignore or use or have ignored for a while and bring into play and so on. There's lots of different fun pieces there. And it feels very, to me anyway, as I read it, kind of plug and play. Ooh, I like this thing. I'm going to implement this faction. I want to tell, you know, we want to use something more about the religion. Let's get into that a little bit. Or you could walk around that. It doesn't have to be the forefront type of thing. So I think it's, again, it's it's um, kind of a master class, in my opinion, of uh, how to incorporate the lore. I think it's done really, really well. Sean, you actually picked it up too, didn't you? I did. And I thought it was sitting right here on my desk, but it must be, I must have. Put it in the office Put it back in the, re- in the reading room. In the reading room, yeah. So, yes, I have started delving in, and it seems, you know, the one thing I like about the setting is, and kind of what Harrigan alludes to a little bit, is that the, there is a bit of history, but it's not too crazy. Like, I'm reading Impossible Landscapes, and Delta Green, man, they love timelines. Well, Delta Green also has a ton of history. and yes. some of, And to understand what happened when and so forth, do you need all that? No, you do not. However, the Handler's Book is one big, everything that's in every other uh, Delta Green book I own crammed in there. Right. I have the first Delta Green book, then I have the next one, and another one, another hardcover, and crack cover. So it's like, okay, we're all, we'll put that in there, plus, 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 how this changes. So, yeah, talk about you know their cosmology and how it all fits that's yeah they love their timelines so they do but that. this one yeah but this, this one does a really nice yeah. tight yeah it's tight. very it it takes some bigger chunks i think mm-hmm. like delta excuse me delta green impossible landscapes this is the king in the yellow campaign mm-hmm. so it talks it goes back to eight 18 16 1700s or something crazy like yeah when the play was first written right Right. And it's like, then this person was born like, in New York. It's, and you're like, yeah, okay, great. You know. It feels quasi-biblical. Yeah. It's description. Holy the cool shit. Thing, the cool thing that Simbaroom does, which it reminds me a little bit of the Forbidden Land stuff that you've talked to me about, is it says, okay, there was a massive war. That's right. over. This is now. 
that historical component is the thing people talk about and so forth, but it's there's enough detail and enough shrouded mystery that you can pick stuff from it for pieces and parts. It's not that it doesn't matter because it informs the militaristic idea. It informs the whole concept of coming into somebody else's place, taking land, sorting things out, fighting with the locals. It informs all that stuff, but it doesn't go back 16 generations or fully detail all the bits and pieces. Maybe in some of the other Simber um, uh, books I have that I haven't uh, gotten to yet have some of that in it, but you read through the core book, you're like, oh, cool. I feel informed. Very right. good. And everything else <clears throat> is right now <laughs> so short-term stuff. Taking that and comparing it to something like Eberron, there, it, it, another thing, too, so I appreciate Eberron for all the crazy, and they're not really mm. crazy, but all the different organizations. Yes. This one, I, I can get my head wrapped around, okay, who, who's this? Got it. Queen. Right. Her, her land. Got it. Yeah. Barbarians. Yeah. Got it. Different clans. No problem. You know, and I don't need to know any of the names necessarily at this point. And oh yeah. Then you've got the, the fey folk and the dwarves and they're out there. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yep. Right. You know, so it's not, it's not overly convoluted to, to the point where like, what the, I got to keep track of this shit. Is there like a family tree somewhere? I got to look yeah, at and it's, and it's arrogant says though, there's enough. Hints, clues, and allegations and other things left, you know, in the shadows that you could say, oh, this is cool. Right. It talks about, hey, a noble family, blah, 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 which is, again, one of the reasons I think a good way for me to start a a game here, whether it turns into a long-term campaign or not, is to run a published adventure in the back of the book type of thing or a different one that I have of theirs and say, okay, cool. Let's see how this works. And then I have enough fun bits in here that whatever my crew gets into i'm like cool i got enough i have enough here i can grow from right i'm good yeah i don't need a big fat book on prios the sun god or whatever it is i i can i can make up some stuff and make it work so pretty cool anyway thanks harrigan that was good appreciate it man yeah thanks harrigan let's see what else we got here mr saul's wheel commented on saying no this concept is something i've been thinking a lot about more lately, simply because when I first got back on hobby, I reevaluated my previous game experiences, specifically around game mastering, and I definitely wanted uh, wanted to in the past uh, try to retell epic tales uh, and had a very set design in my head. Since then, I have become much more flexible. In some cases, I haven't cared what the players picked as long as it was something that was in the rule book or created from the existing rules. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I've even had a little bit of frustration in some of my games where I felt like the game master was being restricted for reasons that I didn't agree with. But for more, I think uh, more, I think back on it, they were simply trying to curate a particular type of experience for everyone, including themselves. When discussing this with some of our group, there was a little bit of disagreement, all friendly, of course. But at least some member of our some members of our group believe that the game master should be accommodating and allow the players to play whatever they want, as long as there's some ruler mechanic that supports that. Well, I agree that we should want to run games that our players want. It also has to be the game <laughs> that we want as the GM. If you truly want to run a human-centric campaign with no wizard, then being accommodating for the person who wants to be a wizard might not be the right thing. And in fact, your group isn't the right group to run that game. I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but just kind of brain dumping. Recent experience I've had a player playing a cleric of a particular deity who is about being crafty and trying to evade death. Um, death, which was a, a deity of the night. They mentioned potentially multiclassing in a paladin, 
It wasn't for role-playing aspect, but for pure mechanical advantage. I did step in as GM and say that doesn't make sense in this particular for this particular deity. They don't have churches per se, and I can't see them having paladins running around. In my games and settings, paladins are either holy knights or unholy knights. And even in games where the other side's deities, those ones may or may not have paladins. Where they're, excuse me, where the other sides have deities, those may or may not have paladins, but they could have priests, but definitely not paladins. Okay, enough rambling. <laughs> Eric, I think that's an interesting piece. I did that for a while in my vampire games back in the day when I would give people like, make whatever you want. And um, I feel I'm actually quite good at taking whatever crazy bullshit the players throw at me and then making it into something. And that can be fun, even for a Call of Cthulhu game. Like, okay, make something. And um, you're in a city. All you have to do is be tied to this hospital. I did that to Sean with the trailer Cthulhu game. Hmm. We had some weird walks of life. But even like, look, you're just in Chicago. Okay, make a character and I'll figure out the rest of it. That can be fun. It can be a good challenge for the Game Master. But you have to, as GM, want to do that. And as players want to be involved in that kind of a wonder what the hell is going to happen next type of thing. It's not a very, it's almost <laughs> overly sandboxy for some folks, perhaps. So open-ended where there's very little structure. But it's um, if you want to have a specific type of game, like, hey, it's human-centric, um, wizards don't exist, blah, blah, blah. Whereas I was talking about Simba Room last episode, where when I read the Advanced Players Guide, I'm like, hmm, I don't want players to be dwarves, elves, or trolls just yet when I start this, I'll introduce that lore as they kind of unlock it and as we were to make more characters later on. Which is something I thought about after that. I'm like, where did I get that from? Mentioned it to my buddy Lenny. He's like, you used to do that in Vampire all the time. You huh? get a new book, read it, and then suddenly the Asimites showed up. Like, what the fuck is this? People figured out the clan, and then next go around, yes, you could be one if you want one. Type of thing. It was just a fun way to do it. So yeah, I think definitely in those... There's something to be said for bumpers, guidelines, rules, and being firm about them. I think there's something important about that. Yeah. It can make sense. It does. I had a guy, um, for example, we played uh, Delta Green, just a real recent example. And um, one of my uh, one of the guys chose to be a... Um, it was a very militaristic game. And it started in the desert, um, Middle East type of thing. And one guy didn't want to do that. He wanted to do something kind of wacky. And I said, all right, fine. We'll see how this works. And it was really clunky. Everyone just kind of GM fiat the fact that his character was there from some, wasn't even like a Homeland Security. It was like this weird, like um, Texas lawman type of <laughs> joined up with it. It made no fucking sense. It's it like when we did play Top Secret. Somebody yeah. would be playing Texas Walker. Texas Ranger. Texas yeah. Ranger. We're going to Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. And then another person would play Steven Seagal and then Bruce Lee. And then there's Spetsnaz. What's that for? I don't know. Just because. <laughs> yeah. And then James Bond. Yeah, it didn't make a lot of sense. No, it didn't. No, it didn't, didn't have to back then. Didn't now we demand then. shit makes sense. Everything makes sense at all times. All the time. I want perfect continuity at all times. I want no come on. Let's start making <laughs> sense, people. That's good insight, Eric, though. I like I like the fact, even if 
all we did through that discussion of showing ahead was get you to ramble, Eric. That's awesome because if nothing else, we've said this before. It's pretty high praise, honestly, when anybody writes in and says, hey, you made me think about something. That's pretty cool. So glad we got you to think, man. That's good. Anything else, Sean? Nope. Well, then, I think we should move on. Main topic. talking about this week brett well a while back i mentioned the fact that hey um jared rasher broke my avalon cosmology oh, i said good god hope he put it back together he did actually he did a pretty good deal and jared god bless him as a gentleman and a scholar he put out a nice forum thread where he said hey how i did this in our forums uh under the avalon header he went hey this is what i did so you can go back and read that and um some of the things he talks about specifically was he used angels he had more kind of outer beings and so forth um anyway so let me set the stage here avalon itself as a setting the um the world of avalon the world where avalon is is the last place this is in brett's head this is how i play it that's it everything else outside all other planes all other places of existence are Gone slash devoured. If you th- um, think uh, Dormammu from the uh, um, uh, Doctor Strange movie, think the Elder Ones, Erlig in this case, one of the held, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Elder horrible deities outside, have conquered and destroyed. The Lamplighters are in Avalon because it's the last place that they could go to. The uh, Brain Gorgers um, are servants of Erlig. They're here trying to find ways and passages and cracks to get in here and take the last thing, right? There are no gods. This is all that, this is all there is. Jared fucked with it, which is totally fine. And the reasons I like the fact that he fucked with it is that he, one, he liked the setting enough to put that much thought into it. And I think when he, when you read through it, he's like, wow, he hit certain points. Like, I want to change this. We want to add this and so on. He put thought into it and tried to make sure that he had an internal consistency to it. So what he did works and fits with that internal con- consistency. And that means that the players and he as game master can all interact with that new cosmology layout. And it makes sense, right? When you look at um, the X-Files universe or the Millennium TV show or Star Trek and whatever, the things people will complain about, we'd be like, well, that's not really how transporters work, or oh, they changed how transporters work now. There's an internal consistency that if you fuck with it in the wrong ways, it can be very jarring for a fan or somebody who really enjoys the thing. So I think Jared did a really good job cracking it. And um, he made the settings that he, for he and his players, right? It's stuff that he thought would be interesting, where places that they dug into and how they grabbed onto it. And one of the coolest things to me at the end of it is not only did he like my world, but this is Jared's Avalon. There is no other Avalon exactly like that one anywhere at all. And that's pretty fucking high praise, in my opinion, that somebody was able to do something and created a um, it's a version of a thing. But it's it's really absolutely holy Jared's. I never thought about some of the things he pulled in there. I'm like, huh, cool. I wonder if I should steal some of that shit. So I brought that up because when we've talked about Ravenloft, Forgotten Realms, Forgotten Realms is like this big 
example sometimes, you know, Sean, where people are like, oh, it's so big, everything is so canon. Or even um, when we talk about Simber Room, like, oh, this is canon, this is how it is, and, and Forbidden Lands, this is what the, the blood missed, and so on and so forth. And I think we've, we've hinted at or talked about this before, but I wanted to bring it back up again because it's the gaming police argument in a way, right? But there is some serious power in taking the game world and making it exactly what you and your players want it to be. And I think the players can have a really solid hand in this because they can influence some of the things that you want to get into, right? So last time I ran uh, a campaign for my home group, um, CB Alpha's character decided he wanted to be a bargeman. He's the first person that's ever played a bargeman in a campaign of mine. I've had one shots where people have been a bargeman, but he really wanted to do it. He wanted to get into the bargeman as a people, as a culture, as a belief system, how they operated more. That's where I figured out the Penangalon vampires are like an old enemy of the bargeman that's somewhere within their mythology. So that was the place they went to get answers. And um, that didn't exist until that point when Alpha decided he really wanted to dig into it. And I, I think there's some serious power to that. And I think that even with something, my buddy Nick does this with his Star Wars games. He likes to pick, even if it's within the timeline of the of canon, he likes to pick some stuff off of it. You know, like you're far enough away from that piece. I can't, he's not going to let me go kill Luke Skywalker. Right. right. That's not what he wants to do. But he'll let us fuck around with the cosmology in other ways. So before we go too much farther, Sean, I, you're nodding, so obviously it makes sense to you. But do you do this at all, or do you try to stick as close to canon like the published, this is the world, I don't like to mess with it. Do you, do you like doing that, or how do you like to roll? Or does it depend? Uh, hey, uh, <laughs> uh, I, um, I usually go by what's kind of in the book and what's presented with, I mean, I could always change it, you know, um, it, and sometimes it, but you tend so because you're using published, yeah, or pre-published, yeah, usually, and you're leaning into that as the source material, right? And you're trying to keep it consistent within what's written, pretty much. Otherwise, okay. otherwise, I mean, unless it was maybe more of a homebrew. But you know, here's the thing with a lot of this stuff, and I admired what Jared did, and I think I grokked most of it uh, from what he wrote in the forum post. And I think with his, it, it came into play somehow. But what I find is that one of the things, uh, going off a kind of a, a side tangent is cool. when, when people are talking about making their own homebrew, <clears throat> they start out and whatever, the, the advice that people will give them is don't get too big. Like don't start great, like huge. Don't, you don't have to go large and map out all the deities and uh, the belief systems and uh, 20 different organizations. Like Just start, kind of wait until you need it. Once yeah. you need it, then you can get Yeah, start yeah, in a town and, and, and put what's in relevant in front of the player characters. And then as things progress in the campaign, they can uncover the rest of that stuff, right? So that's kind of the thing that I would 
take into consideration when I run some of these games is, you know, because some of these source books are pretty freaking daunting. It's like, you know, I'm going to run three, you know, read 300 plus pages of this and X amount of it is going to be stuff that, well, it's about the world. Great. And it's all great stuff. Fantastic. Do I need all of it? No. I mean, if I want to run something in Eberron, I'll make the group members of the, you know, uh, King's Dark Lanterns or something, right? Like a faction. Yeah. And so maybe you know a little bit about the faction. But I think that, you know, another one, somebody was like, oh, Forbidden Lands, great. Uh, so much lore. What are you doing with the lore? Nothing. Like absolutely zero. Because it doesn't have to play a role until it does. Right? They come across something. It doesn't make sense. They ask some old, you know, old wise person about something that happened hundreds of years ago or this this thing, this trinket has ties to something that happened 300 years ago. Great. Then it's maybe comes into play then. And even then, it doesn't even have to be the truth. No, absolutely. I, I think there's a there's a cool piece that that um, <clears throat> if you're doing homebrew style or even if you're doing it from a um, uh, from a published mm-hmm. IP setting, right, is that some of the shit literally doesn't matter if no one if no one ever touches it. So if right. you never encounter, if the only time you've encountered a bargeman in the streets of Avalon is as an NPC, like okay, neat. Yeah, it's like if the only two, okay, it's like a keeper at a n, like okay, yeah, yeah it's you, like okay, cool, yeah. uh, you you got a thing. I, I don't need to know all the different. If you don't run an adventure with ghouls, um, you don't necessarily have to come up with how the ghouls operate. You talk about like um, uh, Delta Green, you know, from a lore perspective, there is a <laughs> there's a huge thing on ghouls. And they don't need to know any of it. No, there's Zero. a big one. That, there's a bunch in Russia, Stalin's children that like were big on because the pogroms over there. Right. There's ones in New Orleans and they talk about the how the hurricanes and different groups and <clears throat> blah, blah, blah. Nobody fucking needs to know any of that. It's cool shit. Yes. But your players may not get it. They, it's actually and, better that they don't know all of that because not correct. only does it not matter, it just puts them in a space that they just don't know what the hell is going on. Yeah, and the other what's kind of fun then is when they choose to do something. So you're running for Lands, they see this tower. Yes. If they would have said, fuck off with that tower, we're going to the hill. You'd be they, like, all they've right. done that already, by the way. But yes. uh, yeah, I know they have. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. told me. But it's it's an opportunity, even with published stuff. Where you throw the clue out there, you yes. throw a thing, you know, hey, it's a sandboxy thing or however or however a linear adventure you're running. Like, hey, then they find the plastic dinosaur. They go, I don't like Stegosaurus. They put it down. I'm looking for the T-Rex. Maybe they tell you what they're looking for. Maybe they don't. And they wander off and go find something else. My Vampire Games would do this all the time where there would be, in the original Chicago by Night, Loden was the Prince of Chicago. It was a series of other Khalid, Baza, Nosferatu, all these different names. And they had charts for who hated whom and all this cool shit. And eventually, I'd have to do or feel the need to do something drastic, like I just fucking kill an NPC, because you want to send send a vampiric city in turmoil, kill a primogen, uh, you know, high ranking head of the clan, um, kill that person's lover, take away property, do something, right? I want to kick, I want to kick the hornet's nest, right? And when you do that, the PCs start caring about those different pieces and things that you're doing. Now, the original World of Darkness. Chicago by Night book never said if you kill Khaled, this is what will happen with the Nosferatu. I had to figure that out. 
That was also where I learned that if you accidentally gave the wrong name to one of the Bruja clan members, you know, Crankshaft is no longer called Crankshaft. He's called Wrench because I called him Wrench. Like, okay, guess that's his name. Right. I, it just just shit like that. And I'm making that up. I can't remember the actual Bruja's name. But you, you, whatever you're doing, you're changing names. If you're playing Forgotten Realms, Elminster is probably a very common name. People understand it. They're fine with it or whatever. But if you muck up or change a name of something, it doesn't matter. You may want to write that shit down right, right. so you can remember it um, type of thing. But you really don't have the boundaries imposed by an external force. I mean, Jared Jared was, was cool where he's like, hey, I'm thinking of doing a thing. What do you think? Does this have an Avalon feel? I'm going to fuck with it a bit, but I want to have the same tone, Tone, man. What do you think? And he, he chatted me up, and I'm like, wow, this sounds really great. That definitely has a tone. Go. But not like you need my blessing, Jared, for Christ's sake. You're a big kid. Go do your own thing. But that's really cool. I like what you're doing. And um, I was as close of person as a gaming cop as I could have been where I could have said, no, that's terrible. Yeah, you can't do that. that I, I, I could have been everything. A, what do you think? I could have been. A, you could have just told me, and then I would have been... Rasher, yeah, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I get Sean to jump on. God yeah. damn it, Jared. The fuck is wrong Brett's with you? Brett's trying to be nice, but man, yeah, I don't but know, Jesus. dude. Messing up all but, kinds of crap over there. God, what kind of a jerk would do that? To, he put his heart and soul in that book. That's right. Um, exactly. <laughs> and I think when I um, when I watch other decent game designers on Twitter or any other sphere, they're like, oh, you're doing cool shit. Ed Greenwood always comes to mind for me because someone will say, oh, we killed Florin Falconhand. Hey, this person died. Hey, this happened with the gods. He's like, wow, that sounds like a really cool story. Sounds like you guys are having fun. Even if Ed probably thinks, the fuck did you do that for? Doesn't matter, right? He's just like, wow, you took a thing I made and you made it your own. That's really cool. But I think there's some serious power in there. And there's a point where we can feel hidebound, as Matt, as Matt uh, Colville would say. We can feel hidebound by this document, this book in front of us that says, this is the world of Simbarum. Oh, my God. I changed the queen's name on accident. I said Calanthe because I just got done watching The Witcher. And I just said Calanthe. Oh, my God. That's not her name. It doesn't matter. Well, unless you unless you've got Harrigan at the table, right? That's or somebody or somebody who calls right. it out and says actually, which you would do very nicely. I'm game with Harrigan, right. nice guy. You'll say, oh, dude, dude, wrong name. It's actually, oh, thank you. Whoo, feel like a moron. I honestly can't think of her name offhand. I should. But it's Corinthia, it's isn't it? Or something? Corinthia, I think yeah. it's Corinthia, which is why Calanthe comes to mind. Or you'll come up with something and you make a mistake, and quite frankly, it doesn't matter, right? The uh, unless. If you want to go back and correct yourself, that's uh, that's fine. But in some of these adventures, I have I have seen ourselves as gamers in general. Um, my son was doing this. He was agonizing over something because he gave Ilana and I an incorrect name. I said, AJ, this is your own home adventure, right? Yeah, but I used the wrong name. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you don't he said, well, anybody. I had to go to my Word document. I had to do blah, blah, blah. I'm like, control F, find, change. It's okay. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that. I'm like, it doesn't matter, man. I, Leah, shh, don't tell anybody. That's, don't tell anybody that. That's the secret, that. man. GMs, GMs, don't tell anybody. They don't, don't need don't to know. Anybody. Players don't need to know. Shh. Well, he's trying He's trying to run. I'm just doing, doing yeah. a solid. Yeah, but now like, you yeah. can get him young, right? So now he doesn't have to yeah. be a 20, 30-year-old doing it and telling, oh, you know, I meant to call him this, and I totally forgot. <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't tell him. Don't do that. Yeah. 
But the other thing I think is is interesting when you when you fuck with the cosmology of an area, be it the realms, Greyhawk, um, Star Wars, uh, Star Trek, whatever you're doing. If somebody really decides that they're into X, and your group for whatever reason is doing nothing but show that they really want to figure out why the Vulcans and this group aren't getting along right now, and that's like the focus of their thing. Not Vulcans and Klingons, it's Vulcans and whomever's, you know, whatever. They want to figure something out. And you're like, really? Okay. That's what they're interested in. And there's a there's a piece here. Um, if you're running a homebrew, it can be a little bit simpler, perhaps, because you're you have the ability to make things up a little bit more and change it, and you didn't rack a fifty dollar purchase of your, you know, you don't feel like you blew fifty bucks on this rhyme of the frostman and no one gives two shits type of thing. But I can definitely see pulling out my Rhyme of the Frostmaiden game and having some players decide they want to spend more time figuring out how to get certain city, certain towns within the Ten Towns to stop the human sacrifice thing more than they care about this other problem from the mountain. Huh. They may care more about that, that there's this everlasting winter and some towns are actually burning people at the fucking stake. To try to appease the goddess of winter. Huh. That might be, depending what happens, I could see a party of like two paladins rolling in and a cleric could go, oh, hell no. <laughs> they just, you know, they spent all their time in this town fixing this problem. And then I'm like, what do I do with this? Does that change how that town reacts to every other town? Does that change what comes from the mountain? Does that, do I just keep that clock rolling? What do I do here, right? They've basically gone off the rails and they're they're into something that's different and they're fucking with your cosmology on you because you're like, well, the adventure itself, as Alex Cameron pointed out to me, says, hey, it's a thing people do, but it doesn't really talk about how you stop them from burning people at the stake or killing them in any other way. Huh. I could totally see where somebody's going to go off and dive into that. And as the game master, I could say, no, that's not the plot. Get back over here. Or we could take this crazy-ass detour and um, kind of either scrap an entire piece of the adventure or just let it cook in the background. You don't deal with it. The world comes and slaps you later. So, Sean, this reminds me a little bit of what you did with your, um, I think, with Jeff's guy in the, um, in the uh, da, 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 when he was dead but not. Oh, Tomb of Annihilation. A Tomb of Annihilation, yeah. Because that was not canon in the game. No, he's supposed to die. he wasn't supposed to heal. Yeah. Come back. Yeah. So I But Yeah. So I, I somebody did revivify. Yeah, sure, no problem. Whoops. That wasn't Whoops. supposed to take place. So much for death curse killing people. What? But you changed it. Yeah. You said, okay, here's the thing. And I, if you, we talked about this, and if I remember correctly, it was like, okay, that worked once, and nobody will want to try that again. Nobody. Yeah, no, no more. That's going to happen. Yeah, so like, okay, wow, in this one case. And then what's interesting then is Jeff's character becomes this, the only one. Right. Unless somebody else happened to make the same quote-unquote mistake that you made, Jeff's paladin who had a weird-ass effect from Revivify in a death curse area, is the only one of that kind who happened to be in that place and had the adventures that he had. That's incredibly unique. And um, I, 
I, you broke a key piece from what you described anyway, a key piece of that is like, look, you can't do this. You did it. <laughs> it's not supposed to happen. You allowed it. Right. And, um, I think that type of stuff sometimes can be really, really cool. And you gave it a good explanation. Like, Hey, it's because, you know, it's just a weird curse like thing. It's this weird necromatic energy, blah, 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 blah. And it freaked other people out. Would have freaked out my group anyway. I know like, okay, I'm not fucking doing that again. You know, I actually, I took a, I took a page from that dude when I uh, ran my Avalon game for my home career last Lenny's character had a weird magical incident occur um, with some ghouls and an explosion and magical powers. And he started to become a revenant and uh, he would find out like someone would shoot him. The crossbow would pass through his body. He would take no damage. He's like, what the fuck is this? And instead of like, oh, my God, I'm way overpowered. He was terrified anyone would find out because he's like, I got two clerics in the party. They find out that I'm dead. This could go badly for me. You know, oh, my God, the town, my parents, his character. And I'm oh, shit. That was, you know, it, it, it fits the Avalon mode, but I don't have I kind of broke the fact that that wasn't what the adventure was about. But it was kind of a cool thing to do. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you that the little homage to yeah. you. You're screwing of Jeff. I did the same thing to my buddy. Yeah. Good for him. Um, I find that if I have, I used to have a, <laughs> when I was playing vampire every week with my friends, it was every week, every Saturday, bam, 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 bam. If I fucked with a cosmology or I made a change or I killed a, killed a vampire or I killed an NPC, whatever, it was easy to remember, right? Because me and anywhere from 7 to 13 gamers, we all remembered something. It's all in there. Easy to have. Now shit gets in the way. I got kids. I got stuff I do. So on and so forth. So I like to write shit down. Um, so I take more notes now than I ever have before. And when I change something, I think one, that's one of the key pieces I learned from what Jared did was he made some some big adjustments, at least from my perspective. And he had it. I don't know if he wrote it all down right away, but he had enough internal consistency that it played. And for me, the biggest piece when he break the cosmology, and when I say cosmology, I probably should define this up front. What I mean by that phrase is to say it's the, the way the world is supposed to work or the official published setting material or rule or names, whatever, anything within that official published world, you know, that you're mucking with. If you don't keep track of it, you can have the uh, the issue of the perception of being capriciously just like changing your mind, just the capricious whim of the game master, and revivify works. It doesn't work. Oh yeah, that weapon does this damage. Oh, you just make a willpower save. Oh, give me a give me a humanity check. You know, and it just doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like house ruling, but this is about the way the world functions. And I think it's almost more important than if we house ruled a swim check one night because we couldn't find the fucking swim or drown rules. It's more important to say, hey, I accidentally misnamed the head vampire of the Bruhawk clan. His name is Wrench now. Write that shit down. Yeah, Wrench. Yeah, if you're Wrench. If you're, if you're heretic, you can write right in your book. I don't know who. I don't know what kind of beast would do that, but if you wish to be that kind of a monster, write in your book. Harrigan writes but, in his books? Is that what is it? Oh, Jesus. Who? Good he God. Does? does he? I don't know. Yeah, Somebody probably have to does. talk to that guy then. I know, I know Chris Nizak does. He and I were talking this last uh, Sunday. I'm like, oh, That's God, right. I know. Terrible. I thought, I remember Chris does. It's crazy. Yeah. It's terrible. It's just, oh, better break the bad anyway, habit. Holy uh, cow. Anyway, 
good gamers right on paper right right? with pencils number two pencils as god intended right um (laughs) but i do those i write that stuff down and i encourage my players to write this stuff down too you know hey take notes god damn it but um that way i can understand like hey this is tied to this is tied to this to this and so on just to again i want that internal consistency like jared had so that it flows and that the world seems to function and i think as players the cool thing here um is that you get to help drive the story whether the game has you get a chip that says impact story you have a fate point you have a thing i'm making up shit now obviously but where you can fix the story or you can make the story do when you dive into stuff or head in a certain direction um then in and it causes this type of thing to happen you're like wow i'm i'm now changing it yeah i'm creating my own inroad that's that's pretty cool and i think that's that's a piece then the game master can say wow no one cares about this piece of rhyme and the frostman this um this little side quest i thought they would all care about this little weird connection with these animals or the frost giant thing and the fur bulbs i don't think they care they care more about this human sacrifice thing i'm gonna scrap a piece of this published set up and focus on this instead because that's where the action is so sean have you encountered that before where your players want to grab onto something that you didn't i mean that's not really important per se like sitting on the ship and shooting guns like they want to get into ship combat <laughs> sure. sometimes i let them sometimes you let them just to, just because i gotta talk to that fucker every week dumbest it's easier to let him <laughs> uh, but do you get that do you get that from players like at all or no? Uh, maybe sometimes. I mean, there's there's always going to be well, with published adventures, there's going to be times where they're going to go, like even out of outside of like Delta Green, because I think there's in Delta Green, it's pretty easy to funnel people in a particular direction. Sim- not funnel. That's not even the right word. But giving them limited options, and they're very black, tend to be very apparent. Like I, we can go and talk to this person. We can go to this resource. What do we want to do? And maybe there's three or four. Yeah, and you can you can come up with a combo option sometimes, or perhaps yes. a wacky third. But uh, very you don't often get up you know fifteen, sixteen, seventeen different options type of thing. Right. But with a sandbox, it's a completely different ball game, right? So eat, but even with so it's like a weird Forbidden Lands is really kind of open. I don't know why it's opened my eyes because there's nothing really. It's an interesting game, but it's not like comparing it to something like Fiasco, right? It's not like oh my god, it's so completely different. Well, let me throw let me throw the mothership. Remember your mothership game? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. That's, when when that, you were when, when you when you run when you ran mothership. Did it sounded like the way you're retelling it to me? Like oh they were oh my god they got really wrapped up on this or they were poking around or you kind of had to change up things a little bit more. So looking Did back, f- I don't think I ran it correctly. Wait, wait. So well, come back at me. What do you mean by that? <laughs> so What'd there, you do wrong? What'd you do there wrong? There was something to be take place that would render them helpless, like completely helpless. Like they don't have any option other than to hang on. Yeah. And I took, I didn't take that away. So you made so it, instead of uh, changing the Bruja's name to Wrench, 
you uh, you allowed them to have a spaceship that right. functions. Yeah, a spaceship that is, and it works fine, which it shouldn't work fine. Because if it works fine, then it allows them to get away, escape, yeah. <laughs> and they did kind of. Um, but you worked with it, though. I did work with it. I I, I have run published adventures where I mean Brett's a perfect example. He was in the Star Wars game. I just ran the same book for the Jeff crew that I ran for Brett and Kev Dulu and some other guys. And you guys didn't even like you're like you went to here and you're like, yep, screw it, we're out of here. And you went back to the ship and left. Yeah, we did. Right? I mean, and there's like, it's, and this and is. We're going to go get the Julie Evan after that because you're like, ah, uh, fuck, I got to figure out something. This is like <laughs> act two of like a five act play. And you're like, I'm yeah. out of here. Yeah, we threw our tickets on the ground, left the theater. <laughs> Pretty much. And so then it was like, great, what am I going to do with these yahoos? And I got them. I don't even remember how I made the transition, but I'm just like, hey, there's a system in, there's a local planet in the system that you guys know of that you can. You leaned on a lot of our dark side, our obligations, and we leaned right. into a lot of that stuff to kind of force. And I think what I recall, the reason I brought up the mothership to you here is yes. because when you were, I remember specifically saying, hey, I think I fucked up. And you and I talked about it. Yes. Off the mics a bunch. And we said, and you were very big on making sure from like, to use my cosmology phrase, which is probably, again, the wrong damn term, but you were really big on making sure that it had a consistency regardless like i fucked up but i don't want to come and say hey guys i fucked up so a harpoon shoots your ship and drags you to the moon ha 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 you know or you, you didn't want to ham fist it you know what i'm saying you didn't want to just gm fiat and destroy stuff so you how you know we talked about you were throwing ideas at me and i threw ideas at you of like hey what could you do to keep it within the consistency of the feel so that everything was this had the same mothership vibe but and allowed you to use some of the cool shit that the adventure had, even though you, you know, quote unquote, fucked up and and missed a piece. Oh, there's plenty. still work. It's t you know, I've had some bouts of some terrible moves, and I know my players probably don't know that. Again, shh, don't tell don't them tell anything. Them. Don't tell them anything. <laughs> but it is literally like, and I think I sometimes I think the Forbidden Lands guys are like. Now they'll be able to look back and go, oh, I, I think I know what he's talking about. Oh, I know what that yeah, is. Yeah, because oh, there's, there's there'll be stuff that, and this is how you can always tell. All right, I'm going to give my tell away. So if you're if you're in one of my game groups and don't want to know, tune out for like the next 15 seconds. The thing is, is when I I I explain something, right? Then realize I didn't explain it correctly, or there's something more or, or I have to bolt on something to it. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's a, <laughs> I'm not going to give specifics, but it'll be like, <laughs> you know, Hey, we're going to go in. Okay, great. You open the door and then you're like reading it, reading it. And you're like, does it go up? Do you, does it go down? I don't know. Where is this? How is this connected? And so then they'll go and then they'll ask some of those questions. And you're like, that's a pretty damn good question. Uh, <laughs> shit. Yes. It does. It goes up. And then they're like, so how does it go up then? Like if you're, if we're here and then it goes up, uh, where does it go? Uh, the, very Ma good question. Magic. Very good question. It just again. goes up. You know, it's, it's, it's like, strange. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now yeah. I can tell them like 
so they'll be like, oh, so a lot of what you came up with isn't the way it was supposed to. And they can have those questions linger in the back of their head now. But right in the game, they're probably just kind of scratching their head going, at first it didn't make sense. Then after Sean explained things, okay, it makes better sense because I corrected some of their probably correct assumptions, honestly, right? Yeah. Like you get the player that's like, wait a minute, he just said that we're on the ground level and that there's stairs that go down. Okay, so we're going underground, right? And you're like, no, they're shit. I read that wrong. It's actually, actually stairs going up. Mm, yeah. Uh, no, not really. So the ground, it's like into a hill. <laughs> yeah. It's in the side of a yeah. hill. So yeah. if you go down, you, you you do go down underground, but since you're going up, you're still going up, but in in part of land, right? Like you're part of a hill. So you're still under the ground of the hill. See what I did there? Yeah. yeah, right? yeah I get you. And they're like, it still doesn't make a lot of sense. They're like, I think I get it. You know, fucking let's move on. Right. That's right. That's right. They'll be like, oh, okay. Sounds good. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, throw in a, I'll throw another one out here is that um, my buddy Lenny, when he was, when he runs um, Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil, the Monty Cook 3 adventure. Um, you gave me your copy, Sean, which is very sweet of you. I did. There is a um, so spoilers. There's a bad guy in there named Thrommel. He's a vampire, oh. and the way Thrommel's set up is Thrommel is a monster in a room. Lenny's like that doesn't make any fucking sense. He's a monster I've, I've in a room. Yeah, he's basically just a monster in a room. He's a goddamn vampire, you know, anti paladin, you know, blah blah blah. He's fucking tough as shit. Right. And Lenny's like this makes no sense. And he looked on the boards. He checked around, talked to other DMs who were running it. He's like, okay, I got this. So he rewrote that chunk of the adventure. When he finally got up to it the first time when his players were encountering him, like, this doesn't make any sense. And he started changing shit on the fly, went home, pulled the Jared Rasher, carved some stuff out, sat down, figured it out, and said, okay. And then when he ran it for me and the guys here, it was a pretty well, like, no, this is how Thrommel operates. Hmm. Right? He was a badass motherfucker, and it took us a long time to deal with him. Um, although we did... Figure out how to deal with them with wall of mud, wall of stone, and sunlight spells. Ah, all those good, cool, interesting combos yeah. that they nuked yeah. with concentration. Which, yes, <laughs> which was which was super which interesting too because for a reason. Uh, yeah, let, this was let, Lenny's kids were much younger. My favorite piece was she's like, "Okay, I gotta go upstairs, put the kids in bed. You guys think how you want to have this fight? Okay, <laughs> we're like it's gonna take them forty five minutes to get put the kids down. We cracked the books, looked at every spell we had. We go, we got this. He came back in ten minutes. We had him dead." It was great, but it took, it was like a month's worth of gaming to get to the point where he could have the fight because he harried us and so on. Anyway, point is, is Lenny broke the cos- cosmology. He broke the consistency of that setting and he figured out and he said, okay, I did this thing. What are all the knock-on effects of this happening? So for example, again, in my Avalon world, if you say, oh, um, you pick a, one of the magistrate families, one of the uh, 13 ruling families that control the city, make the laws, they're the magistrates, and so on. If you pick a ruling family, you introduce a member of that house, a potential high-ranking member of the house, perhaps the patriarch or matriarch of that house, the one who's in charge, and the PC somehow managed to kill her. Fuck. You just put a vacancy. What does that do? Oh, my God. 
right? The PCs did a thing and you, you could be like, wow, that was, it was really fun. It was super cool. I didn't think about what the effects would be. I didn't want to just GM Fiat say, oh no, no, she has a secret trap door made of poison that you can't, she's gone. You know, she turned into a ghost and left. Instead of doing that, something happens, right? And you screwed with it. Or you say the Bromwell family is not the Bromwells. It's somebody else. You've renamed them. And somebody else happens to be a, uh, you know, uh, a scholar of the setting and says, uh, the Bromwells, third house. I thought that was a Cromwells. <laughs> Did you say Cromwell or Bromwell? <laughs> and you could be like, oh, no, I meant, sorry, 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 my mistake, which is legit. Or you could be like, no, I no, it's I it's a, it's Bromwell. It's totally fine. I'm like, okay. And somewhere in the back of your head is like nagging, like, did I fuck that up? Does that you know, like ah, it doesn't matter for right now, let's keep moving. Or everyone keeps saying Bromwell and it just sticks with you. And pretty soon that's the family name. Well, what happened? And some and maybe a player asks you. It's silly things like this that I have talked to game masters and players like my son AJ and even grown ass adults where we go, Oh my god, I fucked up. I changed the name. Oh, I did the spell wrong. I I, I changed where the dungeon was. I you, penance, you muck something up. Penance, penance, yes, penance. penance. Yes, must yes, exactly. serve yes. penance. Yes, you must go to your local gaming store and buy five modules out of penance. That's what you have to do. Yes, and burn one of them. And burn one of them. In a, yes, inside a pentagram, yeah, thaum- thaumaturgic circle. Yes, yeah. yes. We get go to your first edition AD and D monk. The Dungeon Master's Guide, you can find a thaumaturgic circle. That's you right. can do it. There you go. Um, anyway, I think the key here is that when things change or you break it, um, sometimes <laughs> Game Master and player advice is permission giving, as, as corny as that sounds. Sean and I are here to say, look, you can do that. You could go through and say, you know what? I don't like Elminster. I don't like anything in Cormier. I want to rebuild Cormier in the Forgotten Realms. And I don't want to have to deal with anything in the Dale Lands either. So, okay. Take care of Elminster. He's out. This is gone here. I'm going to say this war happened in Elminster and the Magister and the symbol. They're gone. Because I don't fucking deal with it. Why? Because I just don't want to. Everyone goes, ooh, this sounds like it sounds interesting. Or maybe that's whatever. You're you are seriously changing the landscape of NPCs and events, right? And when you do that type of thing. It can be a lot of fun, um, but what I, all I would suggest and recommend strongly is make notes of what you're changing and why, so that things so that things work appropriately, and have that internal consistency that you and your players crave. That verisimilitude is important, and to keep that where it belongs, you need to be able to reference these things when you make big changes or adjustments to a setting. And sometimes, like I said, we'll do that stuff and some jag off online will tell you, <laughs> oh, you can't do that. That's not what you should do. How dare you? Someone someone may or may not do that to you. If you're lucky, you'll never encounter such a jag off, but they exist. They exist. They exist. No way. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. People online, like <laughs> some people online exist solely to tell you how wrong you are and how bad you what? are. Fun. Yes. That's crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy. We're telling them they're wrong. That's yes, what I'm trying so to do. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Back at you. It's a circle of life. The circle of life. The circle of fuck you, a dude. <laughs> um, anyway, point is, is like, I, I, I think 
we had a little bit of that even with the um with a um da, 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 with the blades in a dark game frank house had uh, a ghost key and he was like hey are you gonna stick it in this guy's eye socket and turn it how does that function he was using something in an interesting way if we were to continue to play that campaign right as our three characters the way that key functioned at that moment and how Eric and I, uh, after the rest of you guys dropped off, we were talking about, you know, what we think that did was we actually opened a portal to the last place this guy saw. Mm. Like something that he witnessed that he murdered somebody or something kind of cool in that space. So we potentially put a box or a boundary or a function about how those keys worked that may or may not. I do not know the rule system enough to say whether this is a, we. we quote unquote broke or changed anything but i could definitely see that you know the first time your players use a magic item in an interesting way matt colville talks about this where people had a portable hole and they kept jumping into the portable hole and then the rogue would use his plus gajillion sneak to bypass a whole bunch of the dungeon and then ta-da everyone pops out of the back in a portable hole fantastic so finally, he's like, okay, the air's <laughs> used up. The air, you know, something had to, you know, we had we to figure this out because this is getting silly. Players, man, the f- if not anything, <laughs> creative. Creative, yes. Which is a staple in the old days. Um, and, and it's not that it's not now, but when something would say it contains this much air. Enough air for five people for 10 rounds. Huh. So one person for 50 rounds? <laughs> oh, sure. That makes sense. Cool. Okay. My wizard hops in a bag. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's supposed to be like, but because the rule was a little wonky, a little room for gap, Ugh. we leverage and weasel. And then that's how that thing functions, right? And then now your game has a bag of holding that works as the um, wizard's private oxygen <laughs> <laughs> never ending or 50 rounds of wizard oxygen that's just what the bag is now oh so if i do that and i carry you guys around everywhere as long as i'm yeah. the only one that gets sleep you guys could sleep inside the hole exactly yeah that's yeah. fantastic uh buddy of mine used a bag of devouring um to sneak up and backstab a demi-lich Basically, what right. he did was yeah. he put the bag of devouring over the Demi-Lich's skull. And you read the instructions in the first edition, it says, you know, dev- destroys, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, kaboom. <laughs> so this is what happened. Right. Now, in my first edition game with my home group, everybody knows if you want to kill Demi-Lich, you probably should get yourself in Avalon. When my characters went out into the wilds of Avalon, I had, um, on a whim, the, ca- the guys had donkeys. Because they couldn't afford horses. They get donkeys and they ran into some displacer beasts. And displacer beasts, they're getting their asses handed to them by these displacer beasts. And they come out, or I can't remember what happened, but at some point, like the donkeys are alive. And somebody goes, Yeah, wouldn't it be funny if there's like a dead displacer beast? The donkey stomped it to death. And I said, That's exactly what happened. <laughs> and they're like, Are you kidding me? So in Avalon, in the in the Outlands, uh, a displacer beast, donkeys can see them and they hate them. Mm-hmm. They just fucking hate them. And they're like, really? Yeah. Okay. Crazy. Because the donkey's braying and their noise and their anger and their first and this stubbornness there. They could see displacer beasts dead on. And displacer beasts freak out and they just stomp the living shit out of them. They're like, oh my God. So they did not, for every time we went out in the wild, like, get a donkey. We gotta have a donkey. 
I, I, I'm not gonna throw this laser beast at you. I don't get. I don't fucking believe you, Brett. Donkey, give me a donkey. Give me a give me a jackass right now. <laughs> it's a silly thing, but that's that's well documented in my home game. Yeah, I have it written down <laughs> how it works and everything because it it's, it was needed. It was absolutely a necessity. It was just a silly thing that the players do- dove into, and it kind of fucked up how Displacer Beast function and how what other things could could happen. And that the knock on effect of that, what else in nature could do such a thing? What other seemingly mundane barnyard animal? Can I use a chicken against an owl bear? Is that possible? You know, it's just, it just it it uh, cracked open this thing. And it doesn't, nowhere in the Displacer Beast rules does it say, and donkeys can kick the ever-living shit out of them. No. Nowhere in the donkey rules does it say, and they're the Displacer Beast natural lead-born enemy. Right. It says that nowhere. I fucked with it with my players, and that's what we got. So, anyway, enough examples and ideas. If you've done this type of thing to effect, I, I actually do encourage people to check out um, Jared Rasher's um, forum post. I thought it was pretty cool. Very simple. It's very fast read. Just what he did, how and the consistency that I think it helped create. Thought it was really well done. Um, if you've done this type of thing, uh, let us know and kind of how you've how you've done it. And uh, if you have done it, you're like, wow, that didn't work. That'd be good to know too. We learned really well from our mistakes. And if you've done it to great effect, let us know. Be cool. Yeah, let us know. Let's get into die roll. Off we go. Two to four miscellaneous points, gaming and geekery. We want to bring to you. All right, first one. Link to Craig's recordings of us playing Blades in the Dark. See, uh, Brett, excuse me, win an Emmy, an uh, uh, internet Emmy for his yeah. performance. Wasn't nearly as good as your Slink, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it was as good as my Slink, man. Yeah, <laughs> not as good as him. <laughs> Stop repeating everything. Yeah, I gotta stop repeating everything. Stop that. Yeah, I'll stop that. <laughs> I don't know what Brett's. I don't know what Brett's talking about. Next one, Discord community member Drake and Dice has a Kickstarter. Court of Blades ends May twenty first, two thousand twenty one. Uh, the it's a tabletop RPG of power politics, power politics, gunpowder diplomacy, Renaissance magic. And romantic skullduggery powered by, uh, what is it? Blades in the dark powered by. Oh yeah, that's a um, powered by oh, the dark, powered by the blades <laughs> of the dark. <laughs> dark of the blades. Like dark of the forged blades. Forged in the dark. Forged, forged in, the in the dark. dark. Winner, Blake Ryan. Give that guy. Thank you, Blake. Give that Thank guy you. coffee. Yeah, forged in the dark. Uh, but he's like, oh, what is that? Like a seven thousand dollar minimum, and they're at like fifty grand or something crazy. Yeah, he wanted. Um, I think seventy five hundred bucks. He's got forty nine thousand one hundred thirty three. Yeah, I think it might be his wife and he that's doing it. I I don't remember exactly, but yeah, it's check it out. Good the stuff, man. Is awesome. Really looking sharp. Yeah. Uh, next one. Check out BSers Ghost. DM on Table Talk RPG on Twitch. Um, Ghost does uh, show up in the chat every once in a while, but he's got a Twitch channel. Um, and they host cool. uh, Roll for Gaming, where we, they discuss different topics and issues regarding world of 
tabletop RPGs. They do, I think, some actual play, too. Like, I think they did Tales from Lou. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good stuff. Next one, I was looking at its Twitter feed, and then in this, I stumbled across this, which was interesting, and I'm not quite sure exactly how how it works. It's the RPG Kitchen, which is our mission to help tabletop RPG creators earn a living from their craft. All our profits goes towards ending world hunger. Great novel uh, cause. The world's first tabletop RPG rental store. Yes. So... You, you I, as a creator, somehow put your stuff up there, and then I think people rent it. That's how you get. That's how you, as the creator, and they take like ten percent or something like that. Or interesting. Yeah. Huh. Right. I I don't know what to say about this. I gotta read up a little bit more. What the What the hell? Ha ha ha! Interesting. Yep. And then last but not least. Weird, si- wired, get it? Wired science. W Y. Wired, weird science. Um, it's a new quarterly magazine celebrating role playing games, war games, and board games. It sets out to give space wizards, gelatinous cubes, and tentacled gods the respect they deserve. So Phil was, um, Phil put that in our discord and so thanks phil for checking that out but go grab it it's free you can check it out and see very cool uh what it's all about yeah there's so much kick-ass stuff being made for games man kick ass it's just over the top we are an embarrassment of riches right very cool it is very cool um so check all that stuff out what are we talking about next week brad we're going to talk about balancing expectations. I got this one from uh, Ray Otis, who spit some diamonds over in our forums, and I said, hey, we're going to throw that one out there. So that's next week. Balancing expectations. Yes. It's like great expectations, only um, I will not give you a quiz or need you to write a theme based on it. Great expectations. It's a kiss song. You know that no. song, Brett? I do, unfortunately. What? I don't like kiss. We've talked about this. We you just want me to say you just you just want me to say the things that'll get people to hate me. That's what your goal no. is. No, <laughs> don't like Star Wars. He doesn't like Kiss. What the fuck's wrong with that guy? Wow, I can understand why people don't like Kiss for a number of reasons. All right, that's cool. We'll get off of this. Uh, everybody, thanks for uh, showing up and during our live recording. You can find us here at Monday nights, eight PM Central Time, here on Twitch. If you see this on YouTube, give us a like. Or a subscribe as it comes up. <laughs> uh, but otherwise, you can find the audio, which is the flagship of the show, at any podcatcher of choice. Just search for Gaming and BS and hit subscribe. Otherwise, this has been Sean for Gaming and BS. And I'm Brett for Gaming and BS. Good night and good game, all. This episode of Gaming and BS produced with help from the following BSers. Vornak. Bob Fletcher, Roger French, Kevin Keneally, Miniature Master Tendrils, Mike Coleman, Wayne Peacock, Michael O'Holland, Chris Shorb, Orcus Dorcas, Todd Sharp, Craig Shipman, AWOL Trooper, Quigley Malcolm, Larry Hollis, Isaiah Aries Christian, The Duke in Purple, Ed Nyes, Jay Plata, Adam Grotejohn, Phil McClory, $1 Adventure Frameworks, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Daniel Garrett, Jim Ingram, Rory Weston, Mike Hess Jr., Ghost GM, Hoos Carl, Eric Tavola, Cole Cago, Henry Newcomb, Melissa Bashinsky, Harrigan, 
David F. Baylog, Rich Wishon, Brian Rumble, Aaron Coleman, Jeff Goad, Aaron Ralia, Niall Diamond, Maurice, Corey Gonzalez, John Kayward, Jeff Seifert, Andy Olson, Michael Dinos, Eric Avia, Perry Besor, Laramie Wall, Brian Kurtz, Robert Nemeth, George Sedgwick, Eric Salzvaddle, Angus, Corey Welch, Josh Wallace, Howard Bishop, Craig, Sky, Chad Gleyman, Mark Richmond, Ron Bishop, Larry Hout, Curtis Takahashi, Christopher Lang, Old Scoozer Role Playing, Jim Fitzpatrick, Ray Otis, Jared Rasher, Stefan Dragonspawn, Roger Braslett, Craig Huber, C.W. Mellencamp, Dan LaValle, Eileen Barnes, Brandon Barnes, Pure Mongrel, Mirko Froelich, Mark Tasaka, Jason Hobbs, Chris Steele, Andy Hall, Eric Jeppesen, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Old School DM, and Joe Swick. Whew. Hey, you interested in playing some games? Maybe trying something new? Head over to gamingandbs.com forward slash games. It's going to take you to a forum post. In that forum post, it'll point you to a spreadsheet where game masters are putting games they're willing to run for fellow BSers. There you can sign up. Or head over to the sheet that says players, and then you can put down some games on your wish list. Maybe a game master will catch it and run it for you. Anyways, it's a good opportunity for trying new games and playing with new people. So again, head over to gamingabs.com forward slash games. Thanks, BSers! This has been a Litterbox Litterbox Studio Studio production. production.